You're listening to the Behind Every Employer podcast with your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. On the Behind Every Employer podcast, we sit down with future-focused employers and innovators who are advancing talent development for the frontline workforce that drives business. These leaders are challenging the status quo of education and training and delivering scalable solutions. Discussions cross the intersections of adult education, digital resiliency, training innovations, and other topics important to the new American workforce. This podcast is being brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education and sponsored by NGEN, a carefree focused virtual English language platform for organizations and employers working with immigrants and refugees. Listen to the Behind Every Employer podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and you can find us at coag.org. And now, here are your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. Hello there. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Jeffrey. It's been a while since we've seen each other. How's how's your summer been? My summer's been great. My keeping super super busy, but this is the favorite like my favorite time. Like we get together, we get to to talk workforce development, and you know we always uh, between you and I, we always seem to capture some just amazing people that we get on this podcast. I'm super excited about tonight's show. Yeah, we got a great show, and uh, I'm glad. For me, summer's winding down. It's the end of the, it, we're in fall, but it's still in the mid 90s here in San Antonio. So uh, that's that's winding down for us here in Texas. Um, yeah, I've, you know, you know, one thing I wanted to mention to the listeners too, uh, getting a lot of requests to, to find out more about the podcast, and I wanted to just remind everybody, you can check out the website behindeveryemployer.org. Uh, and you can find information on the podcast as well as uh, uh, how to access it. And then it's on all of the uh, major podcast apps. So just go uh, search it out uh, behind every employer and you can uh, subscribe to that and get easy access to these wonderful shows. But we we are really going to be busting at the seams tonight uh, in terms of uh, a team. We've got four guests on tonight. I think this is a, a behind every employer record and uh, it's going to be a really great show. Uh, representing uh, a sector we haven't featured yet, the retail and grocer market. So um, I'm real excited about uh, what we got today, and the guests are just uh, fantastic. So let me tell you about it a little bit. We have a real deep bench of experts that represent the, the retail and grocer um, sector today. Mike Hendry is the Executive Vice President of Merchandising and Marketing at the Northgate Gonzalez Market, which is California's premier Latino-themed grocery chain. He leads the growing uh, social media and digital footprint at Northgate and also leads a team uh, responsible for developing and growing the Northgate Market Mercado storefront and customer experience. Um, So with Mike, we also have joining Kathy Friel from Northgate, who's the Director of Learning and Development, and she brings a great uh, variety of experience leading teams in areas of human resource uh, learning and development. And then joining the Northgate team um, is Sheree Phipps. Uh, the founding director of the Retail Management Certificate Program at the uh, an industry-driven competency-based dual credit program that's offered at 100 approved community colleges uh, and is nationwide accessible online. Um, so we've got this uh, kind of business-focused sector and a certification program in the sector. And then rounding out, because we are behind every employer and we're always going to be focusing on that entry-level, lower-skilled workforce, uh, we have Anna Niguescu from... Uh, uh, the National Immigration Forum. She's the Vice President of Business Engagement. Anna and I talk frequently because of her role there. And she works closely with employers to promote immigrant inclusion at the work site. 
on elite English at work, uh, the forms in this industry focused contextualized ESL learning program for frontline workers. And she's got sites much like the Northgate team here all across the country. So we're going to hear a lot more about that program today and how it's being contextualized and used in the grocery market. So let's uh, let's get started here with questions. Go for it. Yeah, I, absolutely. I want to start with uh, Sheree here. Uh, and I want to begin with you. So um, you're the founding director of the Retail Management Certificate Program at Western Association of Food Chains. Can you tell us a little bit about the certificate and the history of it and what problems you were trying to solve for retail and grocers uh, for the industry? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, the grocery industry and really the entire retail sector is really low overall education beyond high school. And it's in the 20 some years that we've been working with this retail management certificate program, we've hardly changed that. So around 30% of the industry actually have an associate degree or higher. And so initially, our opportunity was to bring a community college program in that was extremely relevant and focused on the kinds of knowledge, skills and abilities people need to move their careers forward. So frontline workers, um, middle management inside a store and, and helping them get into store manager positions and beyond using this college program. And so a lot of the problems that we were encountering or the challenges really are in helping people decide that they're interested in going to college because traditionally college has been sort of gen ed, um, the kind of stuff that you don't feel like you're going to use tomorrow when I hit the ground running in my job. And so we really wanted to pick courses and content and customize it around foundational business acumen that was extremely applicable every day on the job. And that helped us get people who are working for us to raise their hand to say, maybe I do want to go to school. So that's been the thing that has helped change sort of the career trajectory and even the education pathway for a huge portion of our industry. Fantastic. Yeah, when I was uh, prepping for our discussion, I was just really impressed with uh, kind of the reach of the certificate uh, and then the delivery, uh, it being available online, really helps meet that uh, the demands of the industry in terms of just time and place and, and getting education done in, in the busy retail and, and, and grocery world. So uh, really applaud you for those efforts. So tell me, what's the response been from grocers and retailers to the certificate? Well, in the grocery portion of the retail sector, there is a huge focus on advancing our industry through education and leadership. The nonprofit association that is the driver behind it is called the Western Association of Food Chains. And it's um, it's got at least 45 different leaders, such as Mike Hendry, who's joining us today, that serve on the board. And each one of them is extremely passionate about it. So you'll see major chains, regional chains, and smaller local chains like Northgate Gonzalez markets across the nation that are using it to upskill their entry-level and mid-level management inside the stores. Fantastic. Well, this is a good backdrop in kind of the history, um, but now we can move to Mike and really get into kind of on the ground uh, usage of the certificate and, and what they're doing at, uh, at the market. So Mike, you're one of the retailers who's adopted the retail management certificate program. 
uh, and you've situated it into a, a really compelling and broader upskilling and certification set of offerings to reach really a, a wide range of employees at the Northgate markets. This includes employees that are still learning English, which we're going to uh, hear more about in a second. But I would like you to just tell our listeners a little bit about the Northgate markets uh, and the chain's philosophy related to developing your team members. Sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having us again, Anson and Jeffrey. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, let everybody learn a little bit about some of the great things we're doing as a team. But uh, I'll start by telling you a little bit about Northgate. Um, we're a premier Mexican food retailer located here in Southern California. Um, we're also having our own um, chilly uh, 95 degree fall weather as well. Um, but um, uh, we were established here 42 years ago uh, by an immigrant family seeking a better life in the United States um, and really to follow the American dream. And uh, 42 years later, we operate 42 stores spanning from the Mexican border to Los Angeles County. Uh, we employ more than 6,000 associates uh, with the majority of them being of Hispanic descent um, and most of those Mexican heritage. Um, we are uh, kind of unique. We're a family owned organization um, and operated company comprised of 13 brothers and sisters and uh, more than 50 second generation uh, family members strong. So it's kind of a unique ownership and uh, a fun place to work from that perspective. Um, a little bit about why we do this and why we're involved. Um, first of all, I should disclose, I'm, as Cherie said, I am a, a board member with WAFC and I also serve as the education chair and um, I get the pleasure to work with and support Cherie and all of her endeavors to um, further education and leadership in our industry. And, um, you know, Northgate, um, you know, we're involved in this from the beginning, uh, much like the way we founded our company 42 years ago. Um, Don Miguel Gonzalez Sr. Um, founded this company on the premise that our marketplace was underserved. They didn't have, um, you know, our Mexican uh, community did not have a great place to shop. It was not warm and welcoming and did not um, have the products and quality that um, they deserve. And, um, you know, here we are 42 years later and 42 stores stronger, um, kind of operating on the same premise, um, but we've broadened it to not just our consumer base, but to our associate base. And we want to make sure that um, we surround our associates with um, you know, really great education, every opportunity to succeed. And so um, we've done that in a lot of different ways. We've started our own foundation that is awarded millions of dollars in, in community and associate scholarships. And it's also why um, I serve and our president of our company serve on the board of WAFC to help further education and, and be a part of these kinds of programs. Mike, I got a question. I want to jump in. The frontline workers that you have, adult population across the country, often have very low literacy levels in math and reading. And I was wondering, um, how hard is it for our, our your low-level learners to um, to get the certificate and participate in these kind of programs? Well, to be honest with you, it's, um, it's very easy to participate. In fact, Cherie has helped spearhead um, you know, the, the RMCP program for, throughout the years and remove a lot of obstacles. Uh, it is it is next to free to um, participate. So we all offer scholarships and ways to do um, reimbursement um, of, of the education. Um, we provide, it's 100% uh, online now so that it is very flexible so that folks can at attend at their leisure um, at different hours. 
Um, but, but to be honest with you, one of the reasons why we're here today is because we had, we had really identified opportunities Said you know, we've made it easy. We've made it free. Um, we were encouraging people to do it, but there were still obstacles. We were still finding that, Hey, we still didn't have enough people enrolled in it, um, that we really would, frankly, we would like to have enrolled. No. So we started really peeling back the onion and we found that there were some obstacles and two of which are, you know, um, English as a, as a second language and being able to, uh, um, get, you know, very comfortable in starting, um, back to school. Um, and as well, um, the digital divide, making sure people felt very comfortable on a computer or some type of device where they could start to get comfortable, navigate, and um, um, and 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 be able to participate and and take classes online. Wow, I love this. Uh, and, and you 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 guys are already hitting a theme that we just have continuously on the podcast, which is this integration of the digital and uh, oftentimes the English is a second language. I, I, I think what we're seeing is kind of these things just couple together uh, as kind of a necessity as we uh, kind of think about how we provide language programming for uh, members of our community. I, I, I love what's going on over at Northgate. I'm, uh, I'm here in San Antonio now. I'm wondering like, how can we get some of these over here in San Antonio and, uh, and, and really love uh, the focus and the embrace on the training piece? I want to dig a little bit more into the uh, English language learner population uh, over there at Northgate. Um, this is a, a, a group of workers that typically have less upskilling options um, at businesses. So I, I first want to uh, applaud you uh, for these efforts. I, I find it fascinating. You're, you've got this enlightened perspective on upskilling. Uh, in, in the retailing and grocery sector. Um, but I, I want to bring Kathy on and uh, have her tell us, uh, with you, Mike, you can uh, surely chime in here, but tell us a little bit more about the focus uh, of how you began uh, the program uh, in terms of reaching uh, that English language learner population. Um, and why did you make the decision to start offering English instruction to your team members? Sure, sure. I mean, Honestly, for, for us, it goes back to, most importantly, the legacy I think that the Gonzalez family has set forth. We have a very strong core value of education and development. So everything that we do goes back to keeping our people first and how can we give them the opportunities? How can we enrich their lives? And that is such a strong theme in, in our company um, set forth by the Gonzalez family. And we really try to live by that. We feel like we have a broad, a breadth of programs, um, not only English as a second language, but um, we, we have a, a wide variety of programs that we offer. But honestly, the, the um, kind of the reason why is really back to that core value. So it's kept front and yeah. center for everybody across the organization. And as Mike mentioned, then it's also supported um, by our foundation. Fantastic. Uh, and, and I'm sure it pays off in your kind of retention and your kind of uh, kind of being able to promote from within and really build people's capacity. Uh, it's funny, we have a very large uh, uh, grocery chain here in, in Texas uh, called HEB. I'm sure you heard of it. They they win awards all the time. One thing I always notice about HEB is um, these workers stay for years in these stores. You know, you'll see them bagging groceries, and they're 
then they're at the register and then all of a sudden they're managing or they're, you know, working in a specialty uh, section. And I know it, it, it seems like you guys also have this embrace of really retaining, but also really investing in the training and education, no matter the level of the worker. So I uh, really want to applaud you on that. So as you began um, kind of on this uh, reaching into the English language learner population in your stores, um, like who were your early partners? How, how did you start that? Was it uh, was it always uh, something you did online or did you just begin in one store? Kind of tell us a little bit about the origin story. Sure, sure. You know, honestly, it was with the WAFC as, as mm. a great partner. And as we partnered with um, a community college, a local community college, we grew that partnership who then introduced us to the possibility of um, offering ESL. And so that really was the beginning um, of our partnership. And we continue to have some partnerships with the community colleges as well um, to really help us with, you know, this particular endeavor with ESL. Fantastic. Well, uh, let me ask uh, Sheree a question real quick here then. Um, so in your role with Western Association of Food Chains, like how common is this approach that we see with Gonzalez Market? Is this something, are they kind of the maverick and everybody is just ooing and aahing over like what they're accomplishing? Or has there been like kind of some folks that have said, hey, you know, if they can do it, we can we can tackle something like this for that English language learner population also? Well, you know, I think we have an English language learner population in every single grocery chain across America, especially because the barriers to entry are so low to get a job. But when when we try to promote people and they are struggling with that English proficiency with customers and with their peers, uh, we really want to be intentional about helping them get ESL, English as a Second Language. And, you know, Kathy's right. They really were a maverick in jumping in and really looking into how can a community college partner with us or other adult basic education groups. But the traditional ESL, we've always struggled with that because there are different barriers. Like you have to drive to a location and here I've got kids and I've got a life and a business is 24-7. You have to have a certain number of people in the class. You're not learning words and phrases that really meet your needs every day on the job. So when we became aware of uh, this very special contextualized ESL called English at Work that really has been created exactly for a, a grocery store environment, it became a game changer, but it's still really in a pilot mode. And we have so many employers that want to do it and are jumping in, even in the pilot. Fantastic. Well, this is so encouraging to hear, and the scale is impressive. And I want to bring on Anna from uh, the National Immigration Forum. Uh, so, Anna, you're 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 getting well prepped by your team here, uh, and the listeners are probably saying, "Okay, okay, what is this English at work?" I want to hear more about this. So, Anna, uh, uh, before you get into the English at work, I want to first uh, have you tell us a little bit about the forum, the, the National Immigration Forum. Um, how how is it that a policy and advocacy organization in, in Washington D.C. got involved with grocers in California? Like, how does this fit together? Help me out here. Yeah, sure. I love telling this story. Um, so, for those who are not familiar with us, um, the National Immigration Forum is a nonprofit, nonpartisan. Uh, policy and advocacy shop uh, on Capitol Hill, actually. And we uh, advocate for the value of immigrants and immigration to the nation. Um, and the forum's approach is 
quite unique in the immigration space because it engages constituencies that are not typically reached by other immigration advocates um, to make sure that we have a balanced and constructive immigration debate. Um, and one of these constituencies is business. Um, and specifically, our team looks to um, engage employers who um, recognize the value of their immigrant workforce and want to support them uh, by joining in um, our advocacy efforts or by providing some of the tangible immigrant inclusion programs that we offer. And one of these programs is English at Work, uh, which is our contextualized English language training for the work site. Um, as far as how we got to work with Grocery in California, um, Shuri and I connected through the Retail Opportunity Network, uh, which is a, 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 a community of practice uh, of, of organizations providing um, workforce development solutions uh, to the retail industry. Um, and this was funded by the Walmart Foundation a few years back. Um, and I guess once upon a time in breakout room, we, we talked about the work that we each do um, and how it addresses the industry needs. And we realized that there were so many synergies between our work. Um, we also had um, some philanthropic funding to serve immigrant workers in California. So it was really worth exploring um, an industry partnership to support right. these talented workers, right? To continue their education, uh, to move up to fill management roles. And Sheree and, uh, and Mike already talked about this um, by offering English at Work on ground to, to the retail management program. Fantastic. Well, it's so unique. I mean, I love the vertical integration, you know, a policy advocacy organization on Capitol Hill that's also providing direct services to immigrants and refugees. It's really adventurous uh, and uh, definitely applaud the National Immigration Forum for really thinking that way. You just do not see that um, with policy groups that are out there actually providing um, uh, a direct service like that. So, uh, you know, at its core, you guys are not an educational institution. Uh, so I'm still thinking, okay, how does this work? Like, so tell us a little bit more about English at Work. I know it's an online program, but it's got live instructors. I love that combination, uh, and it works great for businesses. But tell us more about English at Work. Yeah, um, it might seem adventurous, but for us, it was really a no-brainer. Um, so I think before I'll talk about the program, I'm going to very briefly share the English at Work story, um, which starts about seven, eight years ago when we were already partnering with hundreds of businesses across the country to provide um, naturalization services mm -hmm. through our New American Workforce Program. But um, then we realized that there weren't any easy English language learning solutions that can serve these employers and their employees well. So we did a lot of research and we enlisted top ESL experts and immigrant um, education um, experts. And we started connecting this research to practice with a goal to uh, build a robust, um, effective and sustainable English solution for the workplace. Um, and we knew this was imperative because, you know, as we hear um, here today and, you know, all the time nowadays, U.S. employers increasingly rely on um, 
on immigrant workers. Um, in fact, it's estimated that you know, virtually all of the growth in the U.S. Work for, workforce over the next 40 years will come for immig from immigrants and their children. Right. Right. So it's critical that we have, you know, that we together provide these workers with the tools and opportunities to gain the skills that allow them to fulfill their full potential. Um, and, you know, and that, of course, also helps employers fill jobs and at right. various skill levels. And, you know, Mike and Sheree and Kathy articulated this so well earlier. Um, so as a result, we developed this first of its kind um, holistic English language learning solution for businesses that um, blends uh, live instruction um, with online independent learning to build both um, language and digital skills, uh, both of which are key to being successful at work and in daily life, right? Um, and the live instruction can be delivered in person or remotely. Um, our fully remote model was actually created pre-pandemic, um, well before it was cool or a necessity, I should say, yeah. uh, because we realized that it's what it takes to scale and it's what our workforce needs, right? Um, and English at Work is a turnkey solution, easy to implement for employers. So we try to not put them to work because we know that their plates are already full and their priority is running their business, right? So we make it very easy for them to, uh, to do this and we give them all the tools and support they need to get this off the ground. Um, and, you know, Northgate um, had already tried English, but we've... We've partnered with um, other uh, companies successfully who had no experience with yeah. English upskilling, and are, they are now into their seventh year of offering um, English at work successfully to their workforce. Um, it's contextualized, highly relevant to jobs, day-to-day uh, -day duties, um, and can be further customized to um, each company's operations. Um, and we currently serve seven industries and our content is all built around the competencies wow. needed for each of these sectors, right? So for example, right. in retail, we'll have a focus on building language to deliver great customer service. In manufacturing, we focus on adhering to good manufacturing practices, right? Across all industries, we build language to enhance safety and uh, team communication and problem solving and so on. Wow, this is this is impressive and uh, a dream come true for a lot of our listener businesses that are looking for something that meets all these kind of dimensions of convenience, of effectiveness, of uh, connectivity with real instructors. Uh, so I definitely have to applaud uh, your work there and National Immigration Forum for uh, really the backing and, and kind of vision. Uh, to bring something like this forward. And hey, I love your line, you know, online uh, is cool and a necessity if you ask me. So uh, I'm going to use that one in the future here. But I really love, I mean, one thing I noticed talking to businesses is, you know, uh, uh, you know, our team here from California is uh, coming from a, a state that's uh, been, you know, working with immigrants for hundreds of years, just like for me in Texas, you know, it's kind of our main population. But a lot of areas of the country, you know, the immigrant populations are 20, 30 years in the community, uh, sometimes newer than that. And so businesses just, uh, you know, we, we're fortunate that we have resources like English at Work 
that businesses can immediately, you know, uh, snap into that are convenient and uh, they can connect because, uh, you know, they uh, they really need something uh, quick to kind of remain uh, buoyant and, and really remain uh, in business sometimes because of, as you said, this changing labor market uh, in terms of the future workforce and that net growth in the workforce. So uh, just love all these pieces being put together for the businesses. So I want to turn it back to Mike and, and Cherie. Um, uh, now, Anna described something that seems like a best-in-class option for English upskilling. Um, what has been the response uh, to English at Work for employees and their managers? Uh, and, and Kathy, yeah, you can chime in on this too. Um, I'd love to hear you kind of from your perspective of introducing it to workers and hearing, you know, how does it work? And then what do their managers say about it? Um, I'll start. And, and you guys, you guys feel free to jump in. But I'll start by saying, Anson, we um, when we introduced this to our teams, we we took it to um, uh, several um, of our functional areas. Our operations team is by far our largest team, right? That's that's made comprised of our our store teams, right? Mm -hmm. That that are working in our retail stores, and um, it was really super well received. I mean, everybody was really open arms on. Hey, we, we see the value in this. Um, and really, we positioned it as a way to also identify sort of um, up and comers, right? Like people that want to um, take, um, um, you know, their own development very seriously and want to progress with the company and maybe want to move into the next level of responsibility. But maybe they're a little shy. Maybe they're, right. they're, um, they're, they're working in a production department. And maybe they, they've just never got a chance to get out behind the counter and start interfacing. And maybe they've been having a confidence um, level um, or issue there with language. So um, we tried to take that approach where we said, hey, let's let's find some folks here that are interested in that fashion. And then um, and in doing that, uh, we had just such a, a, a great um, receptivity to a lot of our leaders saying, yeah, I've got people that would really fit that mold and would like to, you know, continue to develop themselves. And then I know Kathy was kind of on the front lines of dealing with, right. um, with all of our leaders and trying to get people, you know, um, you know, enrolled and all that. Kathy, do you have something to add? I would say one of the things um, that we, we did, and it was a conscious decision to open it up to the entire organization. Um, we really wanted to get the word out there um, about this program, the benefits and ultimately what it could help, you know, what it could lead to, because we've seen the um, retail management certificate program in action. And we know what great results we get out of the, get out of that program. So we wanted to really see, to Mike's point, how much of a response we would get. And we have just been really pleasantly surprised, just thrilled with the number of folks um, that have come forward for the program. Kathy, uh, I got a question for you. This is you talk about the buy-in, and um, isn't this really a culture change? I mean, don't you really need to change the culture of the company and support it from the top all the way, all the way up to the top? And and the the president of the company and everybody else, all the management owners, really need to buy in and understand how important it is for the company. And then once that happens, then you start seeing everyone down the chain begin to fall in line. And I applaud your company because it seems like you've done it. And I'm just trying to understand, like, what's the magic sauce? Like, what, what does it take other companies? We have employers all over the country listening to us. Hopefully, 
probably millions of them. And I'm curious, like, what is it that those companies need to know to start engaging in the same kind of practice that you guys have done? I would say, Jeffrey, it does have to come from the top. And we are blessed at Northgate that it is coming from the top. And this, you know, this core value was laid long, you know, long before my time. And so, you know, when I joined Northgate, I came into an organization that was already rich in education and and development. So that definitely um, has been a blessing. But I would say getting your stakeholders involved up front is really important. Um, to Mike's point, we talked to our operations partners. We we shared with them what the benefits of this program would be. And they were on board with it because we couldn't have done it without our operations partners. Um, just from a scheduling perspective and just getting people where they needed to be to you know participate in this program. So I want to ask, we, we, uh, I, we own the company I work for owns a technical college here in Philadelphia. So we need you guys to come east. So we're waiting for that. We'll bring the, the truck so you guys can come over east to us because we don't have enough of this here on the East Coast. But we own a technical college. And one of the things we're really insistent about is that there be some stackable stackability to a mm-hmm. credential. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, I, I spoke at Sherm conference not long ago, and it's the best line that got applause was entry level today just doesn't cut it for our country. Like we need to be thinking about doing more in that career pathway. And I'm wondering, um, what does this lead to for a lot of the participants that are going through this, uh, this kind of a program? Is there stackability? Is there another credential that they can go to? How does that work? That, that's probably my wheelhouse. Um, we wanted to make sure that the retail management certificate begins a pathway to degree. So every single credit that uh, students receive, it's about 24 semester credits that leads um, to an associate degree. And then the associate degree leads to bachelor's degrees. We've established that entire pathway with universities that can operate on a national scale that even offer um, scholarships specifically for retail management certificate graduates. So the vision from the very beginning was to help people move forward in their careers. But what happens is people raise their hand asking for this community college opportunity to do that. And then they find out that they can be successful academically as well. So, you know, we have people who have earned master's degrees. We even have a couple of PhDs that are now teaching in the program after they started out. And, you know, we can get your technical college on board. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I, I just love this. Um, this, you know, first of all, we've got this pathway starting with the ESL piece, you know, that Anna uh, was so eloquent on and, and kind of talking about English at work. Um, but the thing, too, that is, is ringing in my mind here as real important is uh, I know years ago I was working uh, with the National Retail Federation and I, there was a number. Somebody here probably knows the number, but it was a staggering percentage of individuals whose first job is retail. Uh, you know, it, it, it is it is this very large percentage of individuals uh, out there that their first job in high school or something is in retail. Um, but that, you know, it, you know, it also has this kind of uh, 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 reputation sometimes as not being like a career growth uh, uh, opportunity. So now you've you know, you're you're building that capacity by um, kind of stacking uh, components that bring value all the way into the degree program. Um, and I, I think that should be applauded because a lot of people starting retail, they love it, but they, they get kind of stuck and you kind of have this very large frontline piece and then this management track that's very small. Uh, and so you've built kind of different trajectories 
uh, to branch out and to go in different areas uh, in the retailing and grocery sector. So I really want to applaud those efforts. And uh, for our listeners out there that are in the retail sector, um, definitely listen to this podcast two or three times because I think there's some good best practices um, that we're hearing in terms of uh, how this thing was built, but also the scalability of it um, in in a large retail group there uh, in California. So um, I want to kind of take it back to that employer perspective and say, okay, some of the listeners are probably saying, wow, you know, these folks are just fantastic. Um, But Mike and Kathy, they may be thinking fantastic, but how do I do this? It might seem like a huge thing to take on. What would your response be? Like, how would someone really take the baby steps, uh, so to say, uh, in, in getting involved in something like this? Um, well, I, I, from my perspective, Kathy's will be different because she had to do all the hard work. But, um, but I, I know one of the things that um, was near and dear to Shri and myself was you know, being able to pilot this, right? It's just getting started and it doesn't have to be all encompassing, right? I mean, you start, sometimes the best programs start small, you learn a lot and you try to understand, okay, how do I, you know, grow this into bigger success? And that's really where we are right now, frankly, is we want to start small. We're we're learning all the things like, um, how, what, what is the best way to recruit people? How do you get them ready? Um, how do you think about things like, oh, how do you set up their schedules at work so that they can um, participate? Right. Um, and how do you develop cohorts that can work together and help each other through the program? It's things like that, that I think it's all the little details. But again, it's um, it can be overwhelming if you try to boil the ocean and, and try to get it all done at the same time. But I, I think we're trying to take a more pragmatic approach here, start small, figure it out. And then, you know, as we get that learning, because, you know, we're, we're continuing to get the learning, we're, we're fresh into this sure. and we've, we've only had our first cohort graduate. And then now there, some of them are starting down the path of, of, of the RMCP program, but um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to learn and hopefully, you know, grow this into a much bigger widespread program. But like I said, that's my vantage point. Kathy had to do the super hard work uh, her and Cherie as they were learning through it, but. It takes a team, Mike, for sure. It takes a village. It, it, it took our entire L&D team to be dedicated to this. And I think that's an important point because, you know, we we all jumped in at one point. You know, I have one person that's dedicated to this program, but we all jumped in um, to help because we did, you know, we wanted it to be successful. But I think an important thing to consider is gauging interest. Um, and really understanding your audience, understanding your population and what what their specific needs are. For right. us, it needed to be easy. We loved that it was contextualized and it needed to be online. So I think those are all important considerations. Just really understanding what the needs are of, of your population. That's wonderful to hear. Uh, and I, I love the fact, uh, I, I think my question stems from the perspective that when when we have listeners, sometimes they think they have to do this alone. And this is a great example, you know, the four of you kind of teaming uh, in different capacities uh, to make something happen. And then there's others involved that aren't even on the podcast, of course. Um, so if you're listening out there and you're thinking, you know, like, oh, I'm the only person in HR that will do this. Um, think of broadly about who are some other partners that you can bring on 
uh, that's been kind of my experience uh, all the time because I tend to like to do things on my own. Like I want to be the one that's leading it and all this, but uh, disciplining yourself to kind of get the team together and get situated. And then I love your, your vantage point of just listening to the workers. What do they need? What are the things that are, are going to be beneficial? Cause you know, they will vote with their feet if it's not meeting some of those requirements and the fact that English at work is contextualized for the industry online, all these things. Uh, make it very, very uh, attractive, I think, for that contest, uh, for, the, for that uh, it, it just context. Um, so I wanted to, I'm going to turn to Anna real quick, and, 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 and the Northgate team uh, can chime in on this too, but uh, we've kind of bounced around the topic of the digital piece um, uh, and talked about it's online and all these kind of things. Um, but some people listening may say, okay, well, wait a minute. Um, I don't know if my workers, you know, have digital access or how are we going to facilitate that? Or do we need, do we need to build a computer lab? Like, how do we do something that has this online component? So Anna, I want to ask you, like, you've seen, you know, Northgate story and you've seen, you know, them working through their, their graduating class. Um, but a broader vantage point, like, how do those things get addressed with employers that you've worked with? Yeah, so English at Work um, is available on any type of device. Uh, it could be a laptop, computer, tablet, uh, smartphone. Um, and we did that because early in the pilot, about seven years ago, uh, we learned that uh, mobile accessibility is key uh, yeah. to removing barriers uh, like, you know, internet access or even computer access. Um, but for this particular project and pilot, um, we were fortunate to um, work with Cherie um, to design a, a, an additional on-ramp, uh, or I should say a complementary on-ramp, um, to support uh, participants with a digital literacy piece. Right. And um, that was um, uh, with involving another nonprofit called Human IT. Um, who uh, provided both hardware and a digital literacy course uh, to participants um, that was a prerequisite to um, uh, joining English at Work. Um, and Sharia, I think you can chime in here, but um, we uh, saw, you know, some uh, really uh, great excitement around that and people, wow. um, you know, completed their digital course. Um, we think that that was very helpful for them to feel more comfortable uh, joining our platform. Uh, but then we also um, have our own uh, digital literacy module that's embedded in our uh, curriculum uh, because we know that some folks um, come uh, with very low digital literacy skills. For some, this is their first time studying online. So we want to make sure that uh, coming in, they have all the support they need to be successful. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, turn it over to Sheree to see if she has anything to add here. Well, we we did design um, the the human IT, the digital literacy, as a separate on ramp because we know we also have a lot of people in our workforce, especially in stores and in warehouses, who and, and I think the statistic is around forty percent who might be considered digitally illiterate. But it is highly correlated with English proficiency as well, and so this um, this complementary on ramp of digital literacy as well as the English literacy both 
always intentionally trying to help prepare people in our workforce to learn, read, write, take tests in English, which is what the community colleges require. So that's why these on-ramps are so critical and so fresh for our industry. So what's kind of amazing, and so we had a show not long ago, if you remember, on the Digital Equity Act, yeah. uh, which is coming into play and uh, would encourage all employers out there to start looking at the their digital equity plan in their state to see what kind of relief and support they can get with programming uh, to really build in a, a really strong, robust digital literacy program now that we're starting to work on the infrastructure and uh, broadband access, which is always, always giving them laptop is one thing, accessing it maybe just another. Right. Um, but right. It's, it's great to hear that you've embedded that in the program. Yeah. I, I Like I mentioned at the top of the show, um, I think this coupling of the digital and the English is uh, it, it's kind of needs to be the default in when it comes to kind of English language learning, um, because there's just so much now in terms of access uh, uh, that you're locked out of if you're not digitally uh, uh, competent, uh, can't get into English at work, but you can't also, you know, you have to take a day to go get your driver's license renewed when you could do it online, voter registration, looking at your child's uh, report card at school, getting your pay stub at work. I mean, these are kind of fundamental rights uh, that we think of. Uh, and and, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's almost hard to believe sometimes that people are locked out of that. Um, we can't imagine that kind of a world. But it's, uh, as you said, Cherie, very large percentages. And, and the Digital Equity Act um, that uh, has come up on several of our episodes, actually, uh, we had uh, Amanda Brooks and Chilcott from uh, – a National Skills Coalition talking very eloquently about it. Um, she's really been leading that charge nationally. But I think this is a really great because one of the things that the states are looking at as they uh, receive these uh, federal funds from the Infrastructure Act is, okay, money's here. Uh, uh, we've got partners that are interested. What are we going to do with it? Like, what is the vehicle? And that's where I, I think these kind of relationships. And one thing I, I wanted to mention, I love that the association is involved because that's this multiplier effect. And uh, we've got associations in everywhere, construction, healthcare, manufacturing. Every community has, you know, a, a local business association, sector specific. And then, or not every community, but many of them do. And then, of course, states and, and nationally. So it's good to see that a good idea, like English at Work, like the certification um, can be brought in and then, you know, you've got uh, hundreds of uh, interested employers, dozens of them, depending on the uh, association, um, that are your kind of market that can kind of see how their peers are implementing. Um, and so I really encourage listeners that are in associations or working uh, with associations or, or leading associations to really um, think about how they can bring these kind of ideas uh, to the forefront. Jeff, you had mentioned just speaking to uh, SHRM the other day, the Society for Human Resource Management, wonderful organization to bring things like this. And I'm, I'm so glad they had you speak at it. So uh, we're, uh, believe it or not, the hour goes fast. We're rounding uh, the corner here. Um, and I wanted to just ask uh, uh, everyone if they could kind of make a suggestion at the end here. Um, when they think of, not everyone, but whoever would like to offer up some ideas on uh, that employer that's listening and saying, by golly, I'm doing this, um, what would their next big step be? Like, should they go talk with management? 
probably. But should they go talk to workers? Should they do some needs assessment? Um, do they need to do some research online? I'm giving you all the answers here, but I'm sure you've got better <laughs> ones than I do. Um, what would you recommend as a good next step for someone that's going to be listening uh, to go out and take this step? I can start. Um, yeah. I think an important thing, as I mentioned earlier, gauge interest, yeah. find a way to talk to your associates one-on-one -on -one because what happens is our frontline associates don't always feel comfortable coming forward. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you've got to, you have to figure out a way to get one-on-one. -on -one. And what we did is we, again, dedicated one person that could help socialize the information with our store team leaders. And then they were able to cascade the information down um, to their populations. So, you know, we're fortunate enough. We have a channel on with our leaders and we cascade information down that way. And that seems, seems to help us, but your, your leader population of our frontline associates have to be, have to be on board. So you might want to consider getting, getting in their ear and talking about benefits and the yeah. great outcomes um, that come from a program like this. Fantastic. Great points. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say from, um, I'm going to kind of take it up a level where where this sort of the genesis of this started. And and again, Cherie and I um, were thinking long and hard about, well, we have these great programs and um, all of our member um, retailers have these great programs. And and I think often employers fall into this trap where you have the programs and you kind of check the box and think, OK, I've done that. Um, great. I'm moving on. And um, but I think I think the real work comes when you kind of look in the mirror and you say, um, how are we doing? Are we successful? Is it enough? Is it making an impact? Right. And I think right. that's what where we got here is we said, no, we're not right. Like we're not going deep enough that we, we can do better than this. There are reasons why people um, maybe haven't fully adopted or taken advantage of all the great things we have available. So I guess, you know, my um, words of wisdom might be to just step back, do that needs assessment, take a look at what's working and what's not. And, and, and oftentimes employers have great programs, but, there are those small details, and in this case, maybe big things that are preventing people from taking advantage of it. So I would do that needs assessment and, um, and, and get your people excited for it because good things happen when you do it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Anyone else? Well, I would just add, I think it is critical to take a step back and really ask ourselves, what are we doing for this portion of our workforce that Anson, to your point, has been effectively locked out. We don't realize and we don't know that all of the programs we have available to our workforce are not really equity. You know, it's not equitable. It's, it may be equal that everybody could access it if they want to. But if we haven't removed some of these barriers, like the digital literacy, the access to a computer, um, someone helping pay for it, and then English at work to make sure they can learn in English. That's 30, 40% of our workforce that we haven't taken care of. Yeah. And so those are, those are two in, when we started working with the leadership at the Western Association of Food Chains and discussing this, it was a no brainer that we need to be doing this. Right. They really didn't even need to do a deep dive research to know we have, we got to change this. 
Wow. I love that. I love that. Anna, okay. So uh, aside from everyone going and checking out English at Work uh, at the National Immigration Forum, what, what, what recommendation would you have for that employer out there that's thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I really, um, I would encourage them to, to talk to their employees and find out what their goals and aspirations are because, um, you know, employees are really hungry to learn language and grow. And I think it's important for employers to, to know this and to know that, um, you know, there's a lot of English language solutions out there. They have to do their research and figure out which one is best for them, right? But also um, understand that um, English um, is not easily accessible, right? And English language acquisition takes time for adults. So it must be very intentional, very purposeful, right? right. Um, because it will lead to incredible outcomes for these individual employees and uh, you know, it's like a boost in their morale and self-esteem and the desire to grow and earn higher wages and, and so on. So it's it's really like a ripple effect that we see right. with every employer, right? Um, so um, I really, and I really encourage them uh, to look at this uh, with the equity length as well, oh. right? Because language powers, um, you know, yes, it powers all aspects of our daily life, work, family, civic participation, but it also powers opportunities um, and career growth. And most importantly, it powers dignity and, and equity. So it's very important to think about it that way. Uh, I love all those points. Just fantastic. And, you know, one thing that came to mind uh, from the comments and, and Sherry, you had mentioned something related to this. But, you know, for the listeners that uh, may be uh, managing something like a, a, you know, the retail management certification, you know, or a related certification program. I know one thing that, you know, we continually hear um, from certification programs as well as, you know, college programs is, you know, enrollment's low or, you know, we wish we could get out of single digits. We need to get dozens, not, you know, uh, and, and I, my message is always, well, let's broaden that base of, of access by getting, you know, the digital literacy and the English um, and, and really tapping a broader base of talent to populate a certification program or populate a college uh, program. Um, and, it, you know, in some ways it's kind of a no brainer, but people don't think of it. You know, they think this is the level you have to have to go into the certification. And they don't think that there's there's some creative ways that you can uh, kind of build that uh, b base of uh, uh, potential customers. Well, this so, is fantastic. Jason, I, yeah, yeah. Ask. I have an yeah. ask of everyone on this call. Uh -oh. So you guys are all amazing. This is a, a wonderful program. This is a, but here's what we need. Here's what we need across the country is we need you to take this, all this great information because you've done what, um, what I always say to my staff is if you want to make something real, you got to make it a thing. You got to build it, right? And you got to test drive it and you got to pilot and get it out there. But what we need now is we need to show that it works. And what I would hope that you do is take the data Take a look at how successful are you in, in doing all this, and you're going to be wildly successful, I'm sure, yeah. with it. But then you got to start writing it, and you got to start getting it out there, so that other employers and other industries across the country can start taking hold, taking heed to what's going on out there, and follow suit. And that's the way change happens by one great idea, um, just spreading like wildfire. You have the great idea, you're doing the great work, and now we have to get it spreading, get people uh, catching on all across the country. But congratulations, pretty remarkable. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And we're going to be doing our part with the podcast, getting that word out, you know, on, on, on the airwaves there. Okay, so we're going to break here and go into our lightning round. So I'm going to be coming back and having you guys charge the audience with something to go back and go do uh, uh, after listening to the podcast. So, Jeff, take us to the lightning round. Yeah. fantastic it's lightning time uh yeah i was just updating my resume because now i can say that i've successfully facilitated a a podcast with four guests all within one hour so i'm really excited about that i had to add that to my credentials here (laughs) because i was i was worried about it i knew this was going to have a lot of great information uh but yeah i want to go through and uh hear what everyone here uh, a challenge to the listeners out there uh and i'm going to start with anna so on a, a challenge our listeners to go uh, take this information, listen to this, and, 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 and what are you going to challenge them to go do? Yeah, so I'm going to talk to employers in particular and uh, say that we at the forum, we are very mission-driven and we'd like them to join us in this shared mm. mission and uh, in creating um, a movement among businesses to take action and support their immigrant workforce today, right? Because this doesn't only benefit them as individual, but it's the right, you know, it's the right thing to do. And uh, we also heard Mike and Kathy, it's also good for business, right? It benefits the company bottom line, but also the communities it's part of and the economy as a whole. So we're looking for employers um, like Northgate Market who really want to position themselves as strategic leaders in this movement and are ready to invest in upskilling. Think creatively about their offerings and long-term goals to include um, English training. And, and I urge them to look for solutions that um, are not just checking the box, but that mm. result in quality outcomes for employees and uh, that will make a, a tangible impact in their lives. Fantastic. And, and, and I love that. I just love that. And, and before I let you go, tell us, how, how can we find English at Work? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, you can uh, go to our website and uh, find the contact form there, immigrationforum.org, or you can email us at uh, english at immigrationforum.org. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Okay, so I'm going to turn over to Mike. Uh, challenge our audience here with a lightning round uh, charge. You know, I guess I would say, um, you know what, this is very doable with within your organization. Don't feel like you're in it by yourself. I think Anson, you said, I'm the same way. Sometimes you get challenged with something and you feel like you yeah. got to do it by yourself. Yeah. I think most of the employer organizations out there have people in a lot of different functional areas that are willing to participate and help and forge this forward. I know Kathy um, leads our learning and development team, but it wasn't only by themselves. They had help of our operations team, um, uh, ourselves, and a lot of other folks to help put this together. So it's doable. Um, don't 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 feel like you're in it by yourself, and and leverage the talents of your organization to make this happen. Fantastic, uh, Kathy. Let's turn to you. Yes, I I would say start your business case. And by that, that can that can seem big, but just take that next step. That next step could be gauging interest, listening to the hearts of your associates and, and responding in that way. And I think the biggest 
biggest part of that, you know, is, is, is just figuring out and, and explaining to your executive level teams, to your other business partners, mm -hmm. you know, the benefits and what it will do to business. Because when you can, when you can explain that portion of it to me, it's nobody can, can deny the benefits. So it's start your business case. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Sheree. I just, I honestly, I believe that this, what we're doing and what we're talking about today is a moral imperative. I believe that we have so many people in our industries across the nation who need access to programs like English at Work, computer literacy, so that they can move into academic programs that in the U.S. require them to speak English. So I, my call to action would be that for everybody who's listening, no matter what functional area of your companies or associations or education institutions you're from, let's get together in this and let's do what Anson said. Let's just end what Jeff said. Let's spread the word and make it a bold statement about what we need to do to support the people on the front line who've been locked out of opportunity. Mm. Oh, bold and uh, really, really, really beautiful sentiment there. I, I love that. I, my I'm, my charge is uh, really to uh, associations uh, or individuals that are parts of associations to get the topic of English language learners, of digital literacy uh, on the agenda for your next meeting and talk about that and, and, uh, and get that conversation going in that group setting. Someone in the room is going to be doing something about it. Uh, and then you can get a discussion going about how to scale something in your community. So uh, if you're an association um, or a leader in an association, let's get that on the agenda there. Jeff, what do you got? Yeah, I got a simple one. Uh, four words. Make it a thing. Just make it a thing. You know, these things happen because we go out and we take an action step and we make them real. Whether And start with a pilot. Start small. Start with a small cohort. Make it a thing. And you're going to see how much of an impact you can make. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, uh, this has been a fantastic uh, podcast. I want to thank our guest. We'll be putting your contact information in the show notes so the listeners can go uh, find you out there. And uh, let's wrap this thing up, Jeff. It's been a great show. Thanks, Anson. Take care, everybody. Thank you. You've been listening to the Behind Every Employer podcast with your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. This podcast has been brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education and NGEN, a career-focused virtual English language platform for organizations and employers working with immigrants and refugees. Listen to the Behind Every Employer podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and you can find us at coaid.org. If you'd like to reach Behind Every Employer podcast, you can do so at behindeveryemployer at coaid.org. 